Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SOS Small Business Success Podcast, where we're all about building brands that survive while developing people, you, to thrive. All right. Welcome today, you guys. Ah, there's a lot going on, a lot going on. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, so welcome aboard. Um, Gosh, I think we're at 48 podcasts at this point, and I really appreciate those of you that send me messages back and tell me that they really enjoy it. I try to keep things from a a perspective of current events, but also keeping in mind what some of the challenges are that we are facing and that we continue to face and not seem to get through that struggle. So um, this whole week I'm doing a boot camp, and the boot camp is on hiring. Um, and I'll just bring that up a little bit because we're kind of like midway through the boot camp at this point. So I did two master classes to kind of introduce some of the concepts that I shared. And then of course this week was the boot camp. And the boot camp was really designed to be able to provide salons that were struggling with finding people. You know, they're saying they're doing all the right things. In other words, they're doing all the right actions, but they're not getting a response. So then we have to go back and say, is your time? your money, your energy, and your resources of what you're doing worth doing? Or do we need to go back and look at what might be preventing people from responding? Now, hiring and recruitment, in fact, uh, for every industry is a struggle right now. So we're not alone in this, but we have to start being smarter. So we're really going to look at um, you know, what's going to really help that. And today our, our topic is in the marketing department and the marketing department title is going to be the digital hook. So we have to be able to look at our business from a digital standpoint. We got to do an evaluation here. And I call this particular um approach is, you know, you have to have a strong brand identity. And I offer what we call a brand audit for clients. And this brand audit is looking at your business from the outside in of how it's perceived and viewed by others. And that may be the biggest problem you're having if you're looking for new clients or if you're looking for new staff is how you're perceived from the outside, okay? Because we all want to say, oh, I want nice people. I want passionate people. I want skilled people. But none of that matters if you can't get them in the door. So you have to then question, why are you not getting them in the door? Yeah, that's going to be part of my topic that I'm going to talk about on my boot camp today. Um, And if you're interested in, you know, uh, participating in a future boot camp, please send me an email at bonnie at bonniebonadeo.com. Let me know you're interested because I would love, love, love to do this, repeat this program again. I keep refining it with how I'm doing it, but um, each and every time it's, it's, it's getting better, of course. And, um, and it's, it's really narrowing in on what's specifically happening with people. So the digital hook is what we're going to talk about today from a marketing standpoint. Now I saw on the, uh, uh, in some of the trend reports that's happening right now, 
the MTV turns 40 today. Now I remember this day very well. I don't know if it's actually today or whatever day it is, but anyway, it's this week sometimes. So we're in, we're in August, 2021 and it is absolutely this week. And the reason why I remember this, because it was 1981 and that was the year that I graduated from high school and was, you know, kind of became that adult. And I remember this being really uh, a turning point. So from traditional type TV, you know, like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, shows like that, that were, that were very sitcom-y, wholesome, not overly complicated, um, not dark by design. MTV was kind of this transition where it really catered to fast moving, new technology, um, younger generation for sure. Um, it was TV that was catered to me. It was TV catered to me as an 18 year old. And I remember sitting and watching it um, for hours because nothing was more exciting than being able to see the bands in these videos. So whether it was the bands actually playing in the video or it was a video designed like a little mini movie um, in relation to the song, you got to experience the artists on a different level. You got to really um, be entertained visually as well as through auditory. Um, and it was exciting to be able to see the bands kind of take this turn, okay? And then it became a, a, a standard, of course. It became very much a standard that you couldn't just produce an album and have a hit song or play on the radio, that you also then had to have a video, too. Now, I hate that MTV doesn't even do music videos anymore. I hate that. I th That was the best for me, was being able to watch the video production of an artist. It was, it was creative. It was visually stimulating. It was all of those things that, you know, especially for me going into the beauty industry at that time, I had just gotten licensed. I was working in my very first salon um, and it was fun and funky at this time. You know, it was, it was, it was really a, a, quite a transition for us. Um, I remember this well, and it makes me feel old remembering it well, but I, my disappointment for when MTV stopped being a music video um, platform and started, you know, becoming its own kind of network of reality TV shows and stuff like that. But what they did, and here's, and here's what was really great about what they did and why they're still out there, you know, probably successfully, is they kept catering to the generation that they needed to. It wasn't like MTV was going to say, okay, so, you know, you guys are Gen X and I'm going to cater to Gen X forever, which means that you'd have to kind of grow old with Gen X. And that was not their intention. Their brand was very distinct in regards to saying, we're going to cater to all of the younger generations and keep building content that's based on them. So it made sense to be able to do that. Videos became kind of like a standard. You could get the videos anywhere. You could get the videos on YouTube. It wasn't exclusive to MTV. So they had to kind of morph into what this brand identity was. Now, I, I don't watch anything, you know. I do not watch anything on MTV today. 
and you know, sometimes I even wonder if it if it still exists. And and the only time I think I realize that it still exists is because they still do some MTV awards and you know the Moon Man. So I know that I still see that being advertised every now and then, but I don't watch any shows on MTV. It's not, it doesn't cater to me anymore. They're catering to that particular younger generation and that's how they're surviving. Uh, This, you guys, is no different than our industry right now. We really need to be catering to a younger generation when it comes to staff. So from a hiring perspective, since that's what my head is in all this week with my uh, SOS hiring bootcamp, is that we really need to cater to a younger generation. Um, you know, looking for an experienced stylist that might be more mature, that you can count on to come work for you is probably not going to happen. We have to nurture and cater to these younger generations. So I also looked at the evolution of the music industry of you know, how they were actually the marketing of, of music. Okay. So, you know, you've got these artists and they, what they do is they write songs and after they write songs, they produce an album. And it went from, in my day, it went from an album to an eight track, to a cassette, to a CD. So I watched that transformation of technology happen because I'm a big music fan. I, I love listening to music. I, I am one of those crazy people that probably knows the majority of the words to songs and uh, dream about, you know, my, my, uh, if I could do anything, um, have any kind of career, it, it would be to be a singer. It would be to be a rock star, right? That's, that would be it. But I never really pursued music when I was younger. Um, And I don't know why, because I've always, I've always loved it, but uh, would I love to be able to sing and strum a guitar today? Absolutely. Or, or, you know, have my fingers on the piano. Absolutely. I would love that, but I, I never did get into it, but I watched the evolution of an album to an eight track, to a cassette, to a CD. Now, the funny thing is, is that we're kind of going back to albums, all the vinyl, we called it back then. Um, so we had like 45s or 33s and we had our little record players, um, and you know, with our, with our ne- needle needles, uh, to, uh, you know, play the music and everything. And we were all part of that transition. And the, and the ultimate goal was, is if they wrote songs and produced an album, their ultimate goal was to be able to get on the radio. That was like it. They had to do whatever they could to be able to get on the radio. And the radio really created a platform for them to be able to, take their song to the next level. That was how they were going to build a following. So if they didn't have a reputation, they were going to build a following by getting on the radio. So I'm going to keep stopping in between each of these steps here because I want you guys to see this is no different than what we're doing, okay? So we start a business and instead of writing songs, we create a menu of services that we're offering our clients. We kind of produce a team of people with particular products and we offer them to our clients and they vary in all of these different degrees from, you know, haircutting to coloring to smoothings. We then try to, you know, get our community to buy into our business and come and see us. Okay. So we're building a following. And then of course the, the, the number one thing that bands had to do and still have to do as a resource of revenue is to be able to tour. So their number one revenue producing thing was to be able to tour, okay? So you have to think about what is your number one revenue in your business? 
It's providing services. It's getting people in the door and actually doing services. Okay. After they were, you know, after they realized that, hey, touring is great, but everybody wants a little piece of us. So, you know, the bands quickly realized that selling merchandise at the, the concerts was a great way to be able to add another revenue stream. So they created T-shirts, they created, you know, posters, they created stickers and patches and hats and all of these different things that that their followers, their fans wanted to have in order to have a piece of them. So selling merchandise became a very valuable um, revenue stream for them. Then as the MTV generation came out, they had to make a video. Like you just weren't going to be a viable band if you didn't have a video to be able to have on MTV. And I'm pretty sure the first video they played on MTV was uh, Dire Straits. I want, I want my MTV song. I'm not sure if that's even the name of it now. Um, Money for nothing, maybe it's called. Yeah. Anyway, that they had to make a video. It, it was kind of a new standard. So then I want you to think about what's a new standard that you have to have. Maybe it's not making a video. Maybe it's making a website. So you can't just allow or expect your community to know that you exist. Um, today, you have to have a legitimate you know, business online in order for people to see that you exist and that you're, you're, you're have, you know, validity of being in business. People want to check you out first. Okay. So the video became way more popular for songs, albums to actually be purchased. If we saw the video and we liked the song, we would then buy the album or the eight track or the cassette or the CD as we transitioned through all of those. I think that the eight track was maybe a little bit before the MTV generation, but certainly cassettes and CDs were happening around that time. Um, and then we would it would go back and allow us to buy. So now I want you to think about making a video. Right now, what we know about social media is that if you make a video um, if you create video content on social media, that it gets a higher, a higher rate of algorithms than just copy or pictures. And in that video, it's going to bring people back to coming in and buying services and merchandise from you. Okay. So now we're in this transition where music is just being streamed. We're not necessarily buying, although the buying of albums is coming back, which is, which is so great to see, but ultimately how we're doing music is we're streaming it. We're streaming it on Spotify. We're streaming it on um, Apple music. We're streaming it on all of these other programs that really allow us to have access to the kind of music we want. We can dictate the kind of music we want to listen to. We can, we can request it from Alexa to play. Uh, I can't say that out loud. Yeah. There she goes. Yeah, we we can request it from her to be able to have specifically what we want to hear when we want to hear it through Amazon Music. OK, so all of these things are totally accessible to us. But I want you to think about when when it's that accessible to us, how are the artists then making money? OK, so there might be a, a, a contract commitment that says, you know, if you're going to be on Apple Music and you're going to be on Amazon Music and you're going to be on Spotify Music, that you're going to get a penny for every time your song is played. Right. So all of this negotiation was taking place. And I think it was Taylor Swift that ended up suing um, 
you know, these different platforms for kind of stealing her music. Like they were putting her music on these platforms, but she wasn't making any revenue off of it. And it's like, whoa, hang on, wait a minute. That doesn't work. So music today, the, 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 the way that musicians and artists have to be able to make a living is still, of course, to be able to write songs and produce albums and content like this. But, and, you know, and then being able to say, hey, you know, I, I, I have to be able to maybe get a little PR, um, you know, whether that's on the radio or whether that's getting interviews with people, whether that's being able to play it at, you know, um, award shows. But ultimately, the number one way that a band makes money is to be able to tour. And then you have to look at what happened in 2020 when we couldn't do any more live entertainment. They were doing it for free on Zoom, having concerts for free on Zoom. Maybe sometimes they were they were charitable events where they were trying to raise money for certain things. But their number one revenue went away just like anybody else's. Okay. Just like ours, just like just like theirs. And they kind of then had to start bumping up their digital presence, selling merchandise, being present, doing videos to be able to keep attracting people to them so that people will go down the path of either going to a concert when concerts are coming back, which they are, streaming their music, which maybe they make a little bit off of streaming, or literally going and buying an album today, okay? Um, you know, back in the day, it was so much fun to be able to kind of go to the record store and flip through the records. And the album art was like, so relevant back then, like, cool album art was in itself, like buying a piece of art, you were buying the art inside on the album, but the album cover itself was like, you know, sometimes designed by artists or, or designed in a way that it was like actually art. Sometimes you got posters inside the, um, the albums. And, but my favorite was that when they had the album slip, the slip inside of the album that had the lyrics on it, like that excited me the most because I wanted to know, you know, the, the, I wanted to know the words of every single song so I could sing along. Um, that's what I did. So our industry is not much different. You guys, our main revenue is still just providing services. And we have to look at all of these other ways that we have to bring people in, in order for them to be in our chair and actually create a transaction and pay us. Okay. And one main revenue is our services, but our secondary revenue is selling retail. Okay. And we don't necessarily have a third and a fourth and a fifth opportunity for streaming revenue. It's, it's services or selling products, but there is, there is ways that we can, we can start to be more creative and maybe think about what this needs to look like for the future of us, because we're still under this assumption that, you know, based on some of the information that I shared in my, in my hiring uh, boot camp and hiring master classes was there's never going to be a point where they can package up a haircut, put it in a to-go box and have you come and pick it up or have it be delivered by Uber Eats or DoorDash. You're not going to have that, but there could be a person that is then booked that comes to your house to be able to do your haircut. This is not new. It's not safe to some degree, but it's not new. Okay. And these are things that if we're a brick and mortar business, we have to focus in on what are the brick and mortar opportunities that we need in order for people to come and visit us 
And digital marketing, you guys, is going to be the number one thing that we need to get better at. And this is where the, the title digital hook comes in. So let's look at some things that we can do that really create that digital hook for us. And again, we're, we're in our some strategy here. And today's topic is all about marketing. Um, but it's not to say that it doesn't have a sales influence, an operation influence, a mindset influence. And of course, hopefully there's always a piece of education influence in, in these podcasts that I'm sharing with you guys. So we are an IRL business, meaning in real life, in real life, we must get more URL digital savvy to increase revenue. We have to. So if our in real life business is services is our number one revenue, then our second in real life would be retail or home care, being able to sell products to clients at the time of the service, and then also allowing clients to know that they can come in anytime that our, that our operation is, our you know, office is open, our salon is open, and to be able to come in and buy products after they run out and to not necessarily go online. Now, the other, the option that we should be working towards, and this should be like, completely like manufacturers should be at this space right now. No questions asked. There are some companies that are out there doing it. There are some, some software companies that are, that have these options available, but it's still not widespread enough. And this is, this is where we need to go is we need to have the online sales opportunity happen. Now I know it's, we're, we're pretty much there in the appointment world. Okay. We have to be able to be stronger online for people to make appointments. We can't wait for them to call in or uh, expect a phone call back. Or if you're an independent person, this texting world that you guys live in, which is crazy, we've got to get more digitally savvy where people are booking appointments online. Now, I'm talking about existing clients here because obviously that's easier to do, but you have to educate your clients on this. So if you're going to say, hey, listen, I just want you to know that you can online book any of your next appointments um, and that's an easier way to do it. And what you're going to online book are the following things. And you give them either a code or you give them the names of these things so they know exactly what to book. So the appropriate amount of time is being booked onto your calendar here. New clients, it's a very, it's, it can be very misleading for new clients and maybe they don't know exactly what to book or how much time they need to be booking out on there. So you need to have a different procedure or a different approach to a, a new client type of booking on that. Okay. But we can get better. And this is where manufacturers need to start, you know, stepping up here. We can get better at maybe having access to being able to buy products online where salons are still making money on it. This is, you know, it's bullshit that in this day and age, 2021, that clients can still go to Amazon, that clients can still go to walmart.com or walgreens.com or any of those other ones and buy our professional products. And somehow we're not part of the loop as a salon. So I know that there are some companies out there like Salon Interactive. I know that Orbe is a manufacturer, offers this to salons. It is coming down the line, but I think that companies need to get better, faster, and more in alignment with salons in order to make this happen because we need more revenue streams available to us. We don't have that many options in here, okay? And in order for us to get more digitally savvy, we got to do that. So again, let's look at some, you know, where this marketing comes in. And we're going to look at top three marketing approaches that are going to help us to be more digitally savvy and create that digital hook. So you got to have an updated website, okay? And 
I get, I get that you don't see maybe making the uh, appropriate investment in it, but I can tell you that the, the, the clients that I work with to be able to build a website, we're doing it for about 3000 to $3,500. And it's a solid website. And it's a website that they can go in that's easy to access. They can go in and they can make some updates and changes on. They can change out pictures. They can add content. They can create headlines. They can create uh, lead magnets on it themselves. Okay, Because I teach them how to do this on this particular platform of a website. So if you don't have an updated website or you don't have a website that kind of like is meeting the current times that you're trying to do, then you need to have an updated website. And I'm, and I'm going to harp that. I'm going to harp that big because this is your calling card. This is that one piece that says, you know, we are officially in business here. The second thing you need to have is a Google My Business. And a Google My Business is pretty easy to set up. But Google is going to verify you that you are a legit business. And it's not just like a, you know, an, uh, an instamatic process. They have to send you something in the mail that you'll get maybe in a week or two weeks or something like that, that then once you get that, you are confirmed and, and valid as a business. And the things that they're asking for is they want to see your website. They want to know that you have a legit office number or a way that you're doing business in order to be a Google My Business. Okay. If Google is the number one search engine, you need to have a Google My Business because that's how people are finding you today. And then of course, the third thing is customer communications. And that breaks down into a couple different areas, a customer relations management system, which would be like your software, software that allows, you know, um, confirmations, communications, email marketing, that type of thing through there. And then of course, if you don't have a very sophisticated software program, then you might need to have your own email and text marketing options available. And there are plenty of companies out there. You could go to MailChimp, you could go to Textel, you could go to any of these type of companies, right? And then of course, social media being number three. Now everybody wants to put social media on the top, but social media is, is in my book, not the most valid way to communicate with building a business, existing clients, potentially it is for finding new clients, but then that's, that's a campaign and that's a whole nother conversation, you guys. Okay. It's a whole nother conversation, but let's break these down just a little bit more. All right. Okay. So in the website, we search from our phones first, it brings us to a search result. And then we click on a link. Now, the links might be, social media might come up first if you don't have good uh, um, SEO on your website. Your, your social media may come up first because it might be where you're most active. But you have to then really think, what social media are they going to? Is this my business social media? Is, this, is, is my social media up to date or have I not posted on it for months? Is it got current looks of, of the type of work that we do so that if a client does look at social media first and not necessarily the website, you know, are they going to be impressed? Are they going to be like, oh, perfect. This is the kind of look I want. I want to, you know, that's the kind of salon I want to go to. And I'm going to bring, and I'm going to then make an appointment from there. But ultimately what they are going to is this part of it that, that comes up as a website directions or website. Okay. And a lot of times what we do is we click on the website because we want to be able to see that they are legit. When you have a website and a link to a website on a Google search, you are then in fact legit. Now, once they get there, these are the things that they're searching for. They're searching to see if you're 
valid if you're in business, okay, you're still there. They're searching to maybe see where your location is compared to where they are. They're looking for some kind of connection, a fit, okay? Like, is this where I want to go? Is this, does this feel like the kind of place I want to hang out in? So whether it's a restaurant, a salon, even a medical facility, these are the things that we're doing. These are the things that are going through our mind when we're searching on your website. We're then looking at the services and the products that you offer or sell. And, um, and then possibly we're looking at prices. We're looking to see, you know, is, is the price right for me to be able to buy or purchase anything that you have to offer? All right. So there, there's all of that happens on a website. So if you don't have a legit or up-to-date or a and I'm not saying fancy, and it doesn't even have to be a dynamic website. It can be a very static website, but it still has to be able to offer the information of why you exist, what, what you offer, and who you exist for. It has to be able to answer those questions in there, okay? All right, number two was the Google My Business. Again, you have to be a legit biz in order to get a Google My Biz because there's a process that actually happens in this that they don't just verify you. Um, you know, right off the bat, there, there is a process to that. And what it really is, is a shadow site. So it's kind of like a quick little snapshot of why you exist, what you offer and to whom. Okay. And when you can do that, what it means is that if Google's the number one search engine, you have to be on this, but it gives you that right site advantage. In other words, when you click on you know, like Intrigue Salon. There, there, of course, there's more than one Intrigue Salon in the world and even in the United States of America. And so what you have to be able to kind of look at from this standpoint is, do I have the ranking on the right side? Is it my salon that's coming up? Now, part of the reason my, why our salon would come up is because it understands the area you're in. It knows where you're searching from to be able to give you the most you know, uh, obvious options that are close to you. All right. And that's the advantage. You want to have that right side advantage of Google My Business. And then, of course, number three is customer communications. And first and ultimately, and I'm going to say this gracefully, okay, you guys, you've got to take care of your existing customers first. They're your anchor. So when we talk about customer communications, it means that they're already customers of yours. And what you're doing is you're communicating with them in a way that adds more value to what you offer. Your best referrals are still word of mouth and word of mouth referrals come from your existing clients. So you want to treat your existing clients like gold. All right. They're your anchors. So from this customer communication and having kind of a CRM system, it's going to provide opportunities to create confirmations. If you have email and text capabilities, it's going to be able to allow you to share promotions or updates or education or blogs. Okay. All of these things are ways to be able to communicate effectively. Now, this isn't necessarily catering to a new client unless you do a full-on referral campaign to your existing clients to attract new clients, but you have to take care and value, add more value to your existing clients. And then of course, number three in the customer communication with social media. And I want you to think of a five mile success plan. You shouldn't be trying to do social media that exceeds five miles from your location. 
All right. That's ultimately what we're trying to do. Maybe 10 miles max. If you're in a smaller town or a more rural area, it could be more. But if you're in a city environment, five miles is what you want to focus in on. So you want to focus in on hashtagging certain businesses. You want to focus in on making sure that your address or that your location or what you're kind of promoting, it kind of attracts and draws to it. And certainly this would be true if from social media, you're actually going into ad buying campaigns, because then you can narrow down these, these directives. You can narrow down, you know, how far out you want this to go from your address. Um, what type of people you want to cater to and everything. So social media is only effective if you're treating it like an actual advertising campaign, whether you're doing it organically or whether you're actually paying for ads, you want to treat it as if you're paying for ads in a sense. Okay. That's how narrow you want it to get. Okay. But the customer communications is valid for your existing customers with the intent that referrals would come from existing customers and possibly social media could pick up new customers. Otherwise you're, you're, you think of customer communications as I want to take care of the customers that are booking appointments with me. I want to take care of the customers that have been on my books and are paying my bills here. Now, if you need help in any of these areas, this is what I do. Okay. So two areas that I do this in one is the SOS salon coaching program where I really help us you lay out the strategy. It's all about the strategy. And remember the strategies and the keystones that we talk about are sales operation, mindset, marketing, and education. So we put together a strategy within all five of those keystones, um, obviously focusing on one or two that are, that are really, really, really relevant for you right now. And we put a plan of action together. Now, if in fact you need additional support, this is where we cross over into, into my other company called Brand Me Marketing and Branding Agency. And this is where we help you to build a website. This is where we create the Google My Business. This is where we uh, help you with um, email campaigns or finding those tools and resources to be able to get you to be more digitally savvy. If you need a virtual assistant, if you need somebody to be posting your social media, if you need somebody to be creating your social media content, that all falls over into my brand me agency. And I have a team of people that help and support me to pull all of that off. I don't do all of it. I do some of it with you, mainly the strategy, mainly the copy, mainly the content. And then we, you get a team of people to help you to do that. And we have it kind of in three different areas. So think of SOS Salon Coaching as the do it yourself. I coach you and help you understand what things you need to be doing as an owner, okay, or as a lead person in your business. I help you and educate you and coach you to do these things. If in fact you feel like, Bonnie, I, you know, I, I want to do them, but I want to do them with you, then we go into a do it with you approach, okay, DIWI. We go into that approach where I help you build it. Okay. If we need to bring on other resources, we bring on other resources. And then of course, there's the do it for you. Okay. The DIFY and the do it for you is that you're seriously just working with me as an agency to be able to create the content, post the content, update websites, 
add other value digital products and items to your programming. Maybe you need some search engine optimization, things like that. These are all the people that then we would resource for you in my agency to be able to help you get to that next level. All right. So those, those are the two arenas I work in. And those are the two arenas that I promise you, I promise you, if you can get better at this and if you can invest in it, take the time to understand it, learn it, maybe do a little bit of it, and then look at outsourcing what you don't want to be spending time doing, you will continue to be a successful, viable, and profitable business. And I'm going to say you need to start here. Okay, start here. Go to sossaloncoaching.com and set up a free complimentary uh, coaching strategy session with me to be able to kind of see where you're at and where you need. And we'll evaluate this process. We'll look at your brand um, and we'll say, we'll put this plan together that says, here's where I'm going to suggest that you start. Um, and I'm, I really, I really, really do uh, believe you guys that we've, we've got to get better at this, especially salon owners out there because we're losing staff right and left to this independent suite environment and they're thinking it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, and we're going to have a harder and harder time finding people to come work for us because there is a shortage. We're in a supply and demand issue. You might need the help to be able to look at your operations as well, um, as well as your marketing, to be able to say, how can I still be profitable and be promoting myself, even if I can't get new team members at the rate that I may be losing them between now and say three years from now. Okay. So request this free session from me. You're going to go to sossaloncoaching.com and there's going to be a button there that's going to link right to my calendar. And when it links right to my calendar, you and I are going to meet and we're going to put that strategy together and we're going to decide what's the best approach for you to be moving forward with. Is it DIY? Is it DIWY? Is it DIFY? Or uh, yeah, FY, you tell me and we'll take those next steps. Okay, you guys, thanks for joining me. And thanks so much for sharing, um, you know, messages with me of how much you're appreciating this podcast and share it with a friend. Let a friend know, share it. If you see, you know, one of my posts pop up on social media, share it with your world or share it into the groups that you're a part of. Um, I definitely want to be able to grow this and I want to find more guests to be able to come on. I love chit chatting with you on my own, but I'm ready to start committing to some guests. We're hitting our 50 um, episode mark. And at that point, I'm going to be bringing on more guests for the rest of the year. And we're going to be going live back on Facebook. So I kind of, I kind of put that little, a little hold on that because when everybody went on zoom during the pandemic and all the schools and students and, and corporations were all zooming through their days, it was very difficult to stay, um, to have that transition happen without having a lot of technical hiccups and it just wasn't worth it. So I've just record these and then I post them and then they'll be up on YouTube here shortly. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. As always, we'll see you next week. And remember, it's all about building your brand to survive and developing you to survive.